listening to Rumination Tuesday, Law and Gospel, where we're going to be taking a look at a hymn entitled, My Song is Love Unknown, on this March the 29th in the year of our Lord, 2022. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and with us, we're going to have another pastor, Mark Smith. My Song is Love Unknown was a 20th century composer, John Ireland, who was very instrumental in writing the text for this poem by the Anglican clergyman, Samuel Crosman. Samuel Crosman drew on the work of arguably the greatest devotional poet in English literature, George Herbert, who died in 1632. It was first published in 1664 in a collection of Crosman's poems. Now, he only had nine poems. Herbert's had 167. But they share a highly personal tone, a close relationship with Christ, whom both poets dare to call friend, and a language of paradox, irony, and wonder. The love unknown, which constitutes this song, is the love of Christ for sinners. And it's unknown not only because some people do not realize what Christ has done for them, but also and especially because God alone makes it known through the gospel, revealing that it is unfathomably to human reason and beyond all understanding. Throughout, Crosman is contrasting the love of Jesus with the hatred that human beings give him. Christ died my death and was buried in my tomb. In, um, let's see, 1962, it was a new hymn was requested, a new tune for that book, and John Ireland wrote the tune. It took Ireland all of 15 minutes to produce the tune, which he wrote on a scrap of paper. It is one of the best hymns for Lent. My song is Love Unknown, and I'm certainly going to be using it in worship this week. How about you, Mark Smith? Are you going to oh, use absolutely. it? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's a beautiful hymn. I love this hymn. I'm going to be using it during the distribution. I can't believe he wrote that tune in, what, 15 minutes, you said? Unbelievable. Yes. John Ireland, 15 oh, minutes. Oh, it just, it just grips you, and uh, it's just a beautiful, beautiful uh, work. The words yes. are great, too. So without further ado, let's take a look at the words, if you'll read stanza one. My song is love unknown, my Savior's love to me, love to the loveless shown that they might lovely be. Oh, who am I that for my sake my Lord should take frail flesh and die? That's a great opening stanza. Isn't it? Yeah, uh, it's it's got that irony in it, you know. My Savior's love to me, love to the loveless shown. Now, 
God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. And who did he do it to? To the loveless. Who, who are the loveless? Well, enemies. I mean, enemies of, of him. I mean, uh, anyone who's outside of the faith, love to the whole world. And that includes, you know, he died even for those that bitterly reject him. That they yes. might lovely be. So the loveless really is everybody. Right. Yeah, I'm thinking about that now. I'm thinking about that. Um, we were loveless. Yeah, I, I guess. Until we yeah, came I guess. That, what? What's that? We were loveless until faith That's was right. given to us by the Holy Spirit. Absolutely, that is right. Yes. We love ourselves. That's what the center of sin says, S-I-N. So that the love that Jesus gave was, and you kind of mentioned it, was for every person, whether they were a believer or an unbeliever. And we begin to learn how to love when we become a believer. But until then, we are not lovely. That's right. Yeah, for for the enemies, he died for died for enemies. We were enemies. How's that passage go? We were we, we were enemies of his. That he died for us. Mm -hmm. And see what Crosman does. He includes himself in the loveless. Oh, who am I? Yeah. For my sake, my Lord should take frail flesh and die. Yes. So, so wonderful line frail flesh frail flesh well compared to you know compared to his uh, abode in heaven which he left he he he, he left the, the glory of heaven and his heavenly throne to take upon you know that's his state of humiliation yes and we call it his incarnation right where he became a human being, and it was frail flesh because he got hungry, right. he felt pain, he that's died. Right. And so that's really a, a good contrast. You're right, right this hymn is filled with, it's filled with uh, irony and, and contrast like that. And paradoxes, yes. Mm -hmm. All do stanza too. He came from his blessed throne salvation to bestow, but men made strange and none the long for Christ would know. But, oh, my friend, my friend indeed, who at my need his life did spend. So once more, this verse talks about that the long for Christ, they wanted to know him, but... Men made strange of who he was, and none knew him for what he really truly was until they received faith from the Holy Spirit. That's right. Made strange, exactly. and none none of them for the long-for Christ, the long-promised Christ, promised all the way back at Genesis 3.15 and all through the Old Testament. Uh, the, the Old Testament Jews uh, looked for his coming, but... Uh, uh, men were made strange by sin, and the barrier of sin separated them from God, and, and they were made strange, and none for them the longed for Christ would know.
without his taking the initiative. Kind of like, uh, kind of like that father in last week's uh, gospel. Uh, he had to take the initiative to run down the road and sweep his prodigal son into his arms. So well also God and Christ d- does the same thing. Yes. Yeah, that prodigal son and the older son, they did not know their father truly. Right, right. Yeah. Two lost sons. Two lost sons. So we had the crucifixion already made known in the second stanza who at my need his life did spend. Yeah, and not just that, not just his crucifixion, but his whole life. His whole yes. life was spent for us. Right. But when we say you spend your life, that usually means you die. Yeah. And so he did that at my need. What was our need? Atonement. And that means? Uh, to make us one, to break down that barrier of sin that was separating us and God, and to, and to uh, bring, us, bring upon us reconciliation back to the Father. That's excellent, yes. So we really needed that which took care of our sins. And God, in every other false religion, the idols they worship, God takes care of it by making you good so you can offset your sins. But in Christianity, God puts his own son to death who pays for your sins, and that payment is transferred over to you as a forgiveness of sins. That's right. And and Jesus declared it on the cross when he said, it is finished, and God showed that he accepted his sacrifice by raising his son from the dead on the third day. Stanza three, please. Sometimes they strew his way, and his sweet praises sing, resounding all the day hosannas to their king. Then crucify is all their breath, and for his death they thirst and cry. What event is being spoken of here? Palm Sunday. Palm they Sunday. strew his way. They, uh, they, they put the the palm branches down and even their 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 garments on his in his way to welcome him sweet praises sing hosannas to their king and then what happens uh, just a few days later crucify is all their breath yes because it's not really the same crowd that came in on palm sunday from bethany they were friends of jesus but I'm sure others in Jerusalem began to take up uh, the rapture for him. And then later on, some of them were paid to yell out, crucify him, crucify him. And Pontius Pilate was put in a position where he could have lost his life if he did not crucify him because they were going to go to Herod and say that he had another king rather than Herod. And so with that kind of blackmail, Pontius Pilate did what he did. Yeah. So, Pontius Pilate was already in hot water, I think, uh, with uh, his authorities in Rome, and he didn't want to get in further trouble. So he thought, well, I'll just compromise on Roman justice, and we'll get rid of this guy. 
Wash yeah, your hands even of the whole though thing. God had given uh, a dream to his wife to not do this. Yes. So he was warned ahead of time, and he ignored even what his wife had to say. Have nothing to do with that just man, she said. Yes, that's an interesting, right. interesting detail in the whole trial. Yes. Stanza four, I'll do. Why? What hath my Lord done? What makes this rage and spite? He made the lame to run. He gave the blind their sight. Sweet injuries, yet they at these themselves displease and gainst him rise. I mean, the words are just so good here. Yeah, they really are. Uh, it's a little bit... There's a little bit of a question in that sweet injuries. Is he talking about? Is he talking about the uh, the healings uh, were made? You know, the the blind were made to see, the lame were made to walk, uh, the the lepers were cleansed. Uh, those must be the sweet injuries he's talking about. That were made sweet, even though they were. Uh, Terrible, uh, terrible sicknesses and illnesses to be without sight and the like, but uh, they were made sweet by the blessed healings that Jesus performed on them. What was the Bible saying about the last straw? What was the last straw for the Pharisees? Oh, well, I guess uh, Lazarus, Lazarus being exactly. raised. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, when they heard that. Boy, that was very, very interesting to them that um, they really were trying to catch Jesus. In, in fact, the gospel for this week from Luke chapter 20 about the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. I found it very interesting uh, how Luke ends that particular passage in verse 19 and 20. The scribes and the chief priests sought to lay hands on him at that very hour. Yeah. For they perceived that he had told the parable against them, yeah. but they feared the people. They feared so the they people. So they watched him. At, they they so watched they, for opportunities. So, so they watched him and sent spies who pretended to be sincere, that they might catch him in something he said, so as to deliver him up to the authority and jurisdiction of the governor. That's a real interesting insight yeah. that Luke had there. And we get that with uh, that lawyer who asked him, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He really was such a spy trying to get Jesus to say something so they could arrest him. But they kept contradicting themselves at the trial. And had Jesus not convinced them or said that he was indeed the Messiah they were looking for, they would have had no reason to execute him. But when he said that, they said, well, we've heard his own blasphemy. We don't need any other evidence. And that's why crucify him, crucify him, became the message. Yeah, even though Pilate didn't want to crucify him, uh, he didn't want to get entangled in their 
religious squabbles, but uh, he was pretty much he was he was afraid. He was afraid of a, a tumult arising, a riot, and you know, uh, <clears throat> Jerusalem's population during the Passover swelled to three times its normal size, and they sure didn't want a, a riot starting then. Right. And the verse makes clear that um, he gave the blind their sight and the lame to run, sweet injuries, and it was at these they were displeased and against him rose because they saw that the people were beginning to follow him rather than the tenets of Judaism that talked about salvation by works. Mm-hmm. Okay, stanza five. They rise and needs will have my dear Lord made away. A murderer they save, the prince of life they slay. Yet cheerful he to suffering goes that he his foes from thence might free. There's probably some explanation that could be made. They rise and needs will have my dear Lord made away. I think what that that's a little confusing. He away with him. That's what they away with him. Crucify him. That's what they meant. Have my dear Lord made away. That's what they want. A murderer yes. they save. Ironically, the prince of life they slay. There's a there's real irony there. Yes. And yet, cheerful uh, he cheerfully he glo- he he says he's he gladly takes upon his cross. I mean, uh, as terrible as it was, this is what he came to do. This was the paramount reason for his coming, and to suffering he goes, that he his foes, that he his foes from thence might free, that he might free his foes. Imagine that. There's there's more irony there too. Yes. What other human being ever thinks in that way? You may want to do something to free relatives or family or good friends, but he frees his enemies from their hold by Satan. And he does that by taking upon himself the punishment for their sins so that they can be told that they are forgiven and repentance takes place. Yes, uh, the, the the soldiers, you know, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And little did, uh, you know, some of the priests that uh, stood in the shadow of that cross, little did they know that, that he, he was atoning for their sins as well, dying for them. Exactly. Well, remember the centurion, truly this yeah. man is the son of God. Right. All right. I'll read six. In life, no house, no home, my Lord on earth might have. In death, no friendly tomb, but what a stranger gave. What may I say? Heaven was his home, but mine the tomb wherein he lay. Boy, now that is really theologically acute. Yeah. That... He's saying that the death of Jesus Christ was really his own death, namely Samuel Crosman's death. How so? Oh. 
Yeah, well, yeah, uh, you know, he had, uh, what's that, uh, what's that Jesus said? Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. He had no home to speak of. He pretty much uh, lived, uh, lived as he roamed through Galilee, teaching and healing. Um, My Lord on earth might have in death no friendly tomb. He was he was given a tomb uh, by Joseph of Arimathea, uh, a tomb from him on loan. He wouldn't need it forever, of course. And uh, what may I say? Heaven, heaven was his home, but mine, <laughs> mine, the tomb wherein he lay. Now, what let's, Bible let's, verse let's comes get to more mind. out of that. What's those last two lines? But mine, right. the tomb wherein he lay. What does he mean by that? What Bible verse would we refer to? I'm trying to think. I'll give you a hint. Rome, uh, it's uh, the passage in uh, baptism. Um, oh, I baptism, see. Yeah, we're baptized unto his death. We're baptized unto his death. buried with him. Buried and with him ba- by baptism. And we'll also, if we share his death and baptism, we'll also share his, his resurrection. But the tomb that he was laid in is also where I'm laying with him because he's taking upon himself the punishment for my sin. Right. Remember 1 Corinthians 15, if you don't believe in the resurrection from the dead, then Jesus is still in the tomb which means he has not risen from the dead, which means, therefore, that you are still in your sins. Yeah, we're still, if we don't believe in the resurrection, we're still in our sins. And, uh, uh, of course, he's raised whether we believe it or not. We know that. But um, but if we do not believe in the resurrection, I've always been told, you, you can't separate his own resurrection on Easter morning from our final resurrection on the last day. You, you can't give up one without giving up the other. You believe in both of them, and, and they are, that's the heart of our faith. We, do, we believe with all our hearts that, that God raised him from the dead and that we will, we will too, uh, be raised on the last day. But it's even more than that. When are we raised from the dead? Well, when we, when we come to faith. Yes. So in baptism, that's really a resurrection, even if for infants because they are taken from the kingdom of Satan and put into the kingdom of God. And as Ephesians says, in Christ, we not only suffer with him, we not only die with him, we not only are buried with him, but we're also raised with him. And we are right now, because we're part of his body, at the right hand of God the Father, because that's where Jesus is as our head. Yeah, where where the head is is also the body, and more than that, even our bodies too will be raised, glorified on the last day to join with our souls. Exactly, and it's a new body, uh, without sin, without pain, without suffering, without death, and that's what heaven is all about. And in fact, at the very moment of our physical death here on earth, our spirit is with Jesus in heaven. And we would be aware of that. And that's why Jesus told Martha, 
that those who believe in me will never die. Okay, stanza seven, please. Here might I stay and sing, no story so divine. Never was love, dear king, never was grief like thine. This is my friend, in whose sweet praise I all my days could gladly spend. Yeah, you're right. Several times in that hymn, uh, the writer calls Jesus his friend which makes it even more intimate and dear. Yes. In fact, he talks about not only was his love something that was never understood or experienced by anyone, but also his grief, because he was innocent when he was taken to the cross. That's right. And therefore, he is my friend, in whose sweet praise I all my days could gladly spend. And that's looking forward to what you've already said, what is going to be happening in heaven. Right. Yeah, that's going to be, I don't know who you're looking forward to and talking to in heaven. You don't know who what in heaven? Yeah, who are you looking forward to talking to? Oh, I'll tell you. I, I'm looking forward to talking to uh, my relatives, particularly my Uncle Homer, who uh, died at the end of World War II, and I never, never got to meet him, but I rewrote a bunch of his letters from the war and uh, got to know him that way. I look forward to meeting him. I also look forward to meeting uh, heroes from history. Um, and, of course, I'm looking kids. forward to meeting Martin Luther. Are you really? Oh, yeah. I've got questions for him. <laughs> I bet he'll be, he'll be a lot of fun to talk to. Boy. And, of course, we're all looking forward to meeting Jesus. Absolutely. That beatific so my, vision. My song is Love Unknown. You're going to use it for Sunday for communion. Absolutely. During the distribution. Excellent. Okay. If you have any more questions about this song... To, uh, we can be talking about it this coming Friday, which is email Friday. Just email me at longgospel at longgospel101.com. I'm Tom Baker, and you've been listening to also Pastor Mark Smith as we use this song this coming Sunday. God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your checkout to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132 or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod.